Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's your buddy AJ from the Wife Files. Hey, Hecklefish. Right. And Hecklefish, we just wanted to tell you that if you want to start a podcast, Spotify makes it easy. It'd have to be easy for humans to understand it. Will you stop that? I'm just saying. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts from your computer. I don't have a computer. Do you have a phone? Of course I have a phone. I'm not a savage. Well, with Spotify, you can record podcasts from your phone, too. Spotify makes it easy to distribute your podcast to every platform, and you can even earn money. I do need money. What do you need money for? You're kidding? I'm getting killed on Guppy support payments. These three ex-wives are expensive. But you don't want to support your kids? What are you, my wife's lawyer now? Never mind. And I don't know if you noticed, but all Wi-Fi's episodes are video, too. And there's a ton of other features, but... But we can't be here all day. Will you settle down? I need you to hurry up with this stupid commercial. I got a packed calendar today. I'm sorry about him. Anyway, check out Spotify for podcasters. It's free, no catch, and you can start today. Are we done? We're done, but you need to check your attitude. Excuse me, but I don't have all day to sit here and talk about Spotify. Look, this would go a lot faster if you would just let me get through it without... Today's episode of The Y Files is brought to you by Established Titles. Here's the nightmare scenario. You stop by your elderly mother's house to check on her. You grab the doorknob. It's hot to the touch. You ring the bell and knock. No answer. You fish out your key and open the door. You call out, but there's only silence. The air is warm. There's a sweet, smoky smell, but nothing looks out of place. Finally, you go into the living room and you see it. In your mom's favorite chair is a pile of smoldering ash, completely unrecognizable as human. And just as you convince yourself that this isn't your mother, you see her jewelry in the gray dust. And then the grisly sight of your mother's feet still in their slippers on the floor by the ashes. There was a fire, an intense fire, but aside from her chair, nothing is burned. Even stranger, everything in the house is covered with a thin layer of pale yellow grease. Your mother was a victim of spontaneous human combustion. Though rare, it happens more often than you think. According to at least one scientist, it could happen to anybody at any time. Even you. In December 2010 in Galway, Ireland, 76-year-old Michael Faraday was found burned to death. The official cause of death recorded by the coroner was spontaneous human combustion. Early that morning, Faraday's neighbor was jolted awake by the sound of an alarm. He went outside and saw smoke coming from Faraday's house. Faraday wouldn't answer the door. When the fire department arrived, Michael Faraday was found completely incinerated sitting by his fireplace. Aside from his chair, there was no other damage to the room or anywhere in the house. Investigators couldn't find any accelerant. The coroner referred to Professor Bernard Knight's book on forensic pathology, and Dr. Knight says, that a high number of incidents of spontaneous human combustion occur near an open fireplace or chimney. This fire was thoroughly investigated, and I'm left with the conclusion that this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion, for which there is no adequate explanation. On Thanksgiving weekend 1979, Beatrice Oski said goodbye to her son Frank. Frank didn't realize that this would be the last time he saw his mother alive. Beatrice had a number of health problems, 
She was a diabetic and alcoholic. She was also a heavy smoker. The next day, Beatrice's daughter-in-law stopped by and smelled smoke. She called the fire department. When they arrived, the scene was all too familiar. Beatrice was reduced to a pile of ash, but her legs weren't burned. She had shoes on her feet and her left leg brace was still intact. Her chair was burned, but nothing else in Beatrice's house had any sign of fire damage. To cremate a human body, you need temperatures of 2,000 degrees or higher. Yet there was a stack of newspapers not 18 inches from Beatrice's chair. They didn't catch fire. And like many other cases of spontaneous human combustion, everything was covered with a thin layer of oil. Where does the oil come from? Well, it comes from burning human fat. Ugh, I'm sorry I asked. Spontaneous human combustion is not a recent phenomenon. One of the first known cases happened in Milan in the late 15th century. Italian knight Polonus Vorstius was a heavy drinker. One night, after throwing back a few in front of several witnesses, he started belching fire. He then burst into flames and died. Another well-known case happened in the 18th century. Innkeeper Nicole Molay, also a serious drinker, was the victim of spontaneous human combustion. All that remained of Malay was her skull, a few bones, and her unburned legs, all in a pile of ash. She was found near a straw bed that somehow didn't catch fire. Nicole Malay's husband was actually convicted of her murder. Mr. Malay was later acquitted because there was a doctor staying in the inn who saw what happened. Cornelia de Bondi, an Italian countess, died in a similar way. She was found in the morning as a pair of unburned legs and skull sitting on a pile of ashes, and the room was covered in soot and grease. Yep, but otherwise there was no evidence that a fire took place. Reports of spontaneous human combustion continued through the 19th and 20th centuries. In 1938, a 22-year-old woman named Phyllis Newcomb was leaving a dance at Shire Hall in England when she suddenly burst into flames. She ran back into the hall and collapsed. She later died in the hospital. Investigators could find no evidence of a cigarette or match or anything that could catch fire. Her death was officially ruled spontaneous human combustion. Dr. John Irving Bentley's death was front page news in 1966. He died in his bathroom. All that was found was his leg and a pile of ash. People have spontaneously combusted recently too. In 2007, a woman in Brazil burst into flames in front of several witnesses. Her upper body was burned beyond recognition, but her lower body and even her clothes were undamaged. An investigator said it looked like she burned from the inside out. In 2010, Elizabeth McLaughlin of Ireland was found dead in her apartment. At first, her cause of death was ruled as smoke inhalation, but a year later, her case was reopened and her cause of death changed. Death was caused by fire. There was talk of spontaneous human combustion at the time. I did a little research, and that probably is an urban myth, but when I did see the remains, it did come to mind. In 2013, Danny Van Zant, a 65-year-old alcoholic and heavy smoker, was found completely incinerated in his home. Aside from Van Zandt's cremated body, there was no other sign of fire. Sheriff Ron Lockhart said, I think there's only about 200 cases of spontaneous combustion worldwide, and I'm not saying that this has happened. I'm just saying that we haven't ruled it out. You could pour gasoline on somebody, and you wouldn't be as badly incinerated. In November 2015 in Flensburg, Germany, a woman was sitting on a park bench when, according to witnesses, she suddenly burst into flames. In 2016, a drunk man was asleep in a doorway in a small town in Serbia. People saw white flames coming out of his torso. 
A similar case happened in 1967 when a fireman put out a fire that was coming from inside a homeless man's abdomen. And the stories go on and on, hundreds of them. So what's going on? Can we solve this with science? Well, In July 1951, Dr. Richard Reeser was visiting his mother, Mary Reeser. Mary was depressed that she couldn't travel for the summer, so she told her son that she was going to take a couple of Secondol tablets and maybe two more before bed. Secondol is a pretty strong sedative, also called secobarbital. Also called reds, red devils, red dillies. Right, because of the color of the capsule. Seckies, cardinals, red hearts, pink ladies, fennies, bobs, ruby slippers. You seem to know a lot about this. Yeah, what do you want me to tell you? The 80s were wild. Anyway, around five in the morning, Mary's landlady smelled smoke. She went back to check on Mary and noticed the doorknob was hot. When the landlady and a couple of neighbors got into the apartment, all that was left of Mary Reeser was a pile of soot, a few pieces of spine, a shrunken skull, and one of Mary's undamaged feet still wearing a slipper. Shrunken skull? Yeah, the shrunken skull is extra strange. Fire investigators will tell you that they've seen skulls explode because the brain actually cooks and expands, like putting an egg in the microwave. But a shrunken skull is unusual. It's possible it just looked small in the context of being in a big pile of ashes. But we see shrunken skulls appear in other cases too. An investigator said in order for Mary's body to be so thoroughly cremated, her body would have to burn at 3,000 degrees for three or four hours. Now, this is much hotter than a fireplace or a cigarette. Yet there wasn't a lot of damage to her apartment. And the damage that did occur was odd. Light switches and electric receptacles that were on the wall above three feet from the ground, those were melted. But switches lower than that were not. Candles on a nearby shelf were melted, but their wicks stood upright unburned. A stack of newspapers only a few feet away didn't catch fire. The police were stumped. The fire investigators were stumped. They sent some of Mary's remains, plus parts of the chair and other things found at the scene, to the FBI for analysis. The FBI found no trace of anything flammable. Not her chair, her clothes, nothing. But they did find something unexpected in Mary's rug. Melted human fat. Here's how human combustion works. Some type of chemical reaction takes place which causes cells to ignite. Some say this is a release of enzymes that drastically increases cell metabolism and body temperature. Others say static electricity builds up inside the body over time, and eventually a spark creates fire. Internal fluids are converted into flammable gas like methane, or bacteria in the gut create a large amount of methane. Methane is the accelerant. Now you've got fire, but to cremate a human body, you've got to burn really hot and really slowly for hours. You need a fuel source. Human body fat provides that fuel. Remember that in most of these cases, an oily residue is found on everything in the area? That grease is the fat from the victim's body. That's why there was fat in Mary Reese's rug. It melted and pooled there. Yeah, but how did these people go up in the first place? Well, nobody really knows, but there are a few theories. Larry Arnold investigated over 400 cases of possible spontaneous human combustion and released a book called A Blaze. According to his research, there's a subatomic particle called a pyroton that interacts with human cells to create a microscopic nuclear explosion. It appears in some cases there was what we would call the human Hiroshima effect, that at the subatomic level in the human body, a chain reaction begins to unleash itself. It radiates outward, literally outward, from the subatomic level to the atomic level to the physical structure of the human body. And in doing so, the tremendous amount of energy released instantaneously 
literally vaporizes the moisture content of the body away. These people become their own self-immolators, their own crematoria. Whoa, that guy rocks quite the mullet. He does. Science in the front, body in the back. (laughs) In New Scientist magazine, biologist Brian J. Ford suggested that spontaneous combustion could be caused by a buildup of acetone in the body. Ass what now? Acetone. Nail polish remover is acetone. It's a highly flammable and highly volatile substance. All humans have a small amount of acetone in their bodies, but this can increase with alcohol consumption. And we do see alcohol playing a role in a lot of these cases. Brian Ford said diabetes or a specific kind of diet can cause combustion. He mentioned that cells in ketosis could become flammable. And ketosis is a metabolic state that happens when the body is deprived of sucrose. This is the keto diet. Low carb, low sugar. Hey, uh, didn't you cut out sugar? Mostly, yeah. Why? But you still drink booze. Well, you gotta live. Interesting. I don't think I'm really at risk of... Who wants barbecue? For a rational explanation of spontaneous human combustion, skeptics, and most scientists, cite the wick effect. In a candle, the wick is a piece of braided fiber, usually cotton, in the center of wax. Wax is a hydrocarbon with a low melting point and a slow burning temperature. As the wick slowly burns down, wax is melted around the flame and converted into gas. At the same time, wax is pulled up through the wick by a process called capillarity. A candle burns slowly and evenly, and the heat goes straight up. Now, I don't recommend putting anything flammable near a candle, like newspaper, but if you did, as long as the paper was below the candle flame, it probably wouldn't ignite. The wick effect with human combustion works the same way, although a human is technically an inside-out candle. With human combustion, the wick is the victim's clothing. As the body burns, fat tissue is melted. Fat is also a hydrocarbon, so it burns low and slow and is converted into gas. And when that gas hits walls and objects in the area, which are cooler than the air, it condenses back to solid fat. That makes everything greasy. Now, this has been tested a few times with pig flesh, which is similar to human flesh. As long as a heat source can stay connected to something flammable for long enough to cause a small fire, the wick effect is a real thing. So think of a cigarette, which doesn't burn hot enough to cremate a human body, but burns hot enough and slowly enough that it can cause a fire. If a cigarette falls on a flammable piece of clothing, like a rayon nightgown, for example, which is what Mary Reeser was wearing, then you can see how a fire can start pretty easily. Most modern cases of spontaneous human combustion, meaning within the last hundred years, the victims were smokers. Yeah, but wouldn't they know they were on fire? Well, that's where the alcohol comes in. Or in Mary Reeser's case, a bunch of sleeping pills. If someone is intoxicated or sedated, they might not wake up in time to stop a fire. Now, considering all these factors, we can create a pretty accurate profile of a victim of spontaneous human combustion. These people tend to be overweight. More fat means more fuel for the fire. They tend to be elderly and infirmed, so stuck in a chair or in bed, which would allow a large fire to develop from a small one. There's frequently an incapacitating substance involved, like sleeping pills. Lots of victims are alcoholics. And finally, the victims tend to be heavy smokers. Now, Mary Reeser wasn't just a heavy smoker. She was an irresponsible smoker. Cigarette burns were found all over her apartment. And in the cases where cigarettes weren't involved, the victims were near a fire source, like a fireplace or an oven. Why are there uh, feet? Right. A slow-burning fire, like a candle or a human, is going to burn straight up. So objects below the fire source, the victim's torso, are going to be fine. 
So switches low on the wall, papers on a coffee table, or the victim's legs won't burn. But objects above the fire source will be affected, like light switches high on the wall or plastic picture frames. These would melt, and things directly above the heat source, like the ceiling, are always burned badly. The wick effect theory can cover most cases of spontaneous human combustion, but not all of them. Skeptics are quick to point out that victims are always alone, without witnesses. But that's not always the case. In September 1982, Jeannie Safin was sitting in the kitchen with her father, John Safin, and brother-in-law, Don Carroll. It was the middle of the day, no fire was anywhere near her. Out of the corner of his eye, John saw a flash of light. He looked at Jeannie and she had fire coming out of her mouth. Don Carroll and John Safin said that the fire was coming from inside her. Her clothes weren't burned. An ambulance was called and Jeannie died eight days later. This case was such a mystery that several police investigators went from being skeptical of spontaneous human combustion to believers. And many of these cases are still open. So can we debunk spontaneous human combustion? Nope. Mostly, yes, we can. At least the modern cases. Almost exclusively, so-called spontaneous human combustion victims are overweight, elderly smokers with mobility issues who live alone. Often, alcohol or drugs play a role. They drop a cigarette, it starts a small fire, and the victim is unable to move because he or she is too intoxicated or too immobile, or both. The small fire eventually burns through their clothing, starts to melt away their fatty tissue, and the wick effect takes it from there. Tough way to go. Yeah, it is. But in quite a few of these cases, the victim has a heart attack or stroke while they're smoking and the cigarette falls into their lap. The burning takes place post-mortem. Eh, every cloud has a silver lining, eh? That's one way of looking at it. These fires burn so hot that all evidence, like cigarette butts, are incinerated. In a few of the cases where the victim was a non-smoker, they happened to be sitting near a fireplace. We can assume that a hot ember jumped from the fireplace and onto the victim. But some cases are more difficult to explain. In the case of Jeannie Safin, who was supposedly breathing fire, there was no cigarette or fireplace. She just went up. Even John Hamer, a former British police officer, cited the Safin case as one of the ones that convinced him that spontaneous human combustion was real. Now, to be fair to skeptics, the Safin autopsy revealed that she actually had no burns inside her mouth. And although reports say her clothes were intact and Jeannie appeared to burn from the inside out, the official reports say her clothes were burned, and Jeannie's burn injuries were external, not internal. Yeah, I don't trust official reports. I know you don't. Now, there were two fire sources in her kitchen. The pilot light from the stove... That wouldn't do it. ...and her father's pipe. He had just finished smoking and tapped out his ashes. The kitchen window was open, which caused the cross breeze. Burning ash could have caught that breeze and landed on Jeannie, who was wearing a flammable polyester dress. Yeah, lots of would-haves and could-haves in your theory, Mr. Holmes. I know there is. Because if you dismiss spontaneous human combustion as fiction, you have to work with the facts that you have, no matter how much of a stretch. Now, there are plenty of people who believe in spontaneous human combustion. Scientists, police officers, even fire investigators. They all say the same thing. They never believed in the phenomenon until they ran across a case or multiple cases that couldn't be explained. Then they changed from skeptic to believer. Occam's Razor says the simplest answer is usually the correct one. I believe that the vast majority of spontaneous human combustion cases can be explained. Elderly smokers living alone with mobility issues who have a fondness for drink. Now, they're at risk from all sorts of things, not least of which 
dying in a tragic accidental fire? The simplest answer is usually the correct one, but not always. Sometimes the correct answer is not so simple. Sometimes the answer is so difficult that it's completely beyond our understanding. If spontaneous human combustion is real, there's probably not much we can do to protect ourselves and avoid it. But if you're an overweight elderly smoker enjoying a martini by the fire, wear nice shoes. Because at some point, that might be all that's left of you. Today's episode is brought to you by one of the most unique sponsors we've ever had, Established Titles. And that doesn't sound like VPN software. It's not. Huh, nice change of pace. Established Titles lets you buy as little as one square foot of land in Scotland. And this allows you to call yourself Lord, or Laird as they say, or Lady. Also, Established Titles plants a tree with every order and is partnered with great charities like One Tree Planted to- whoa, 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 hold on. What? Did you just say I could buy land in Scotland and become a lord? Yep. You can even use the title on your credit cards, plane tickets- Online dating profile? Yep. So- I want it. Well, there's more I want to tell you about this. I want it now. Lord Hecklefish commands ye! Fine! Get the door! Uh, that's my Lord package! Hello. I hear it! You're kidding me, right? What is this? Um, what is this, my Lord, if you don't mind? Uh, you might be taking this a little too- Open the box, peasant! Okay, okay, hang on! <laughs> I could get used to this. Okay, this certifies you as Lord Hecklefish Moriarty. And uh, this is the plot number of your land in Edelson, Scotland. And uh, they even sent us coordinates. Google map it that I may survey my domain. Oh, this is pretty nice. It is. I can't wait to get some serfs out there to work the land for me and pay me tribute. Uh, you, you can't have any serfs. I shall be a strict but fair lord of these lands. My serfs will come to idolize me. You can't have serfs. I can maybe have a few serfs. You can't. One serf? No, stop saying serfs. Stop saying serfs, my lord. All right, but check this out. The first 200 people who purchase a title pack using the promo code TWF will get land right near yours. My own kingdom. Kinda, yeah. I shall be a strict but fair, Lord, to all who purchase using promo code TWF. Well, you won't be their Lord. They'll be lords and ladies of their own land. Not for now, but when I raise an army and conquer their land, I shall rule over them and they will come to know me as a strict but fair, Lord. You can't conquer their land. Hmm, there may be a marriage pact to strengthen the kingdom. I don't see how that- I shall betroth my eldest son to the daughter of one of the other lords. We will unite our kingdoms, and my blood shall rule these lands for a thousand years. You have an eldest son? What do you think those guppy support payments are for? Heckle Jr. lives with his mother in Hackensack, New Jersey. If you use code TWF, you'll get an additional 10% off. So go to EstablishedTitles.com slash TWF. You'll be lord of your own land, you'll get your own plot number, and you get this cool frame certificate. This makes an amazing last-minute gift. Plus, you'll be supporting a great charity and helping out the channel. And you'll be joining my kingdom! Right. And that. You will come to know me as a strict, strict but, but fair, fair lord. lord. Yeah, we got it. Kneel before me! Get bent. Yeah, don't make me declare prima nocta. Ugh, gross. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. My name is AJ. That's Hecklefish. This has been The Y-Files. If you had fun or learned anything, do me a favor and like, subscribe, comment, share. 
I know it's annoying, but it really helps the channel. And like most topics we cover on this channel, today's topic was recommended by you. And if there's a story that you'd like to see or learn more about, go to thewifiles.com slash tips. And special thanks to our patrons who make this channel possible. I'm amazed by your generosity. And if you'd like to support the channel, consider becoming a member on Patreon or grabbing something from the Wattfile store. That's going to do it. Until next time, be safe, be kind, and know that you are appreciated. full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program.